I don't know how I lived in a time where someone got their dick cut off and it generally escaped my consciousness uh, as, as a child. You know what I mean? But Wait, I just someone saw... around you got their dick cut off? No. Well, someone around us collectively got their dick cut oh. off. Well, because I so the trailer for um, Lorena, the Lorena Bobbitt documentary is coming out. Uh, Lorena Bobbitt is in the same uh, category as like Patty Hearst and like mm. all these other things where you know that there is like a weird syndrome or thing named after them, but you don't understand the pop culture joke if you're not old enough. And you haven't. Lorena Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt, see? Okay, Lorena Bobbitt was some person who cut off her husband's dick and threw it into a field. Oh, um, that Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a complicated, uh, crowded field of Lorena's out there. But mm-hmm. I know, a, yo, dude, I don't want to put that out there, but you're, I know, someone I know named Lorena, I'm not going to say a last name <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but we know someone who killed somebody. Has it ever fucking dawned on you that we know someone who killed somebody? We do? Yeah. The secret Lorena that I'm talking about was drunk one time and like hit somebody and killed them what i'm do i wish this was a joke but my i don't want to get into the i don't want to joke about the death because that's depressing what i want to joke about is the fact that i wasn't the one who killed someone first <laughs> like I, I i'm just a little bold over like i wasn't trying to come up with comedy material here i'm just bold over that someone i know killed someone and i didn't know about it right I'm not trying to be funny either. What I'm trying to tell you is legitimately. But you want to get back to the, the other Lorena who cut off her husband's. Well, I um, want to do that, but also I'm just trying to make the point that like, okay, so once I had another friend that I went to high school with, he went on Jerry Springer. And you know what that said to me? For as fucked up as I am sometimes and all the mistakes I've made. He really made it. He got out. He was one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Right. Or the other way to read that is that it wasn't me. I didn't go on Jerry Springer putting all my shit out for the world to see. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that's one of those things. Like in high school, you're like, okay, who's going to get arrested? Who's going to make it big? Who's going to end up on Jerry Springer? These are very important right. questions that we ask. And it wasn't me. And I'm also not the person who killed anyone. And it makes me feel great. Um, yeah, you. I guess you're doing really good compared to every every one of those categories, especially Lorena's, because if they're not killing, they're cutting dicks off, man. You know, and that's the man. bigger point. But my but my bigger point is, how do we live so long without hearing about this story and knowing it as intimately as other people seem to know this? Well, story? when did this story drop? When did this happen? I have to imagine early '90s. I mean, I can fact check this, I guess. Uh, but 1993, when Lorena cut off her husband's penis with a knife while he was asleep in bed, the penis was subsequently uh, surgically reattached. Right. So and it, well, he ending. went on. He went on to do porn. So it's like really interesting. It's like <laughs> right. See, the look you're giving me says it all. This guy gets his dick reattached. I was really happy for him until you said that. Now I'm like, oh. At that point, he has like a fucking weird bionic survival, like a Vietnam vet of a dick. Like I, 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 I feel like you have to. So, so he can't at that point not. <laughs> well, I just like, at that point, like how do you? Yeah, exactly. Like you're meant for one thing at this point. They gave you a robo dick. All right, you need to go mm-hmm. out there, or at least it's a cy- cyborg dick. You know what I mean? Like it's cyber organism. You know, right. like it's part man, part machine. Makes me wonder. I'm just saying, what would you do? What would you do? <laughs> you know? What would I do? I would probably like slink away into the shadows out of public view because right. forever he's going to be that guy that like got his dick cut off and then reattached. And now he's like making porns about it. Not, not only that, <laughs> now he's a fucking weirdo porn star. And like, how long is that career going to last? And then once he has to find another career, like who's going to want to hire the guy who has on his resume weird dick porn? 
you don't think this guy could get a free meal for the rest of his life off of, I got my dick cut off one time and it's I still think, here. Like, I think at a certain point, people stop caring, you know? I think that guy could send cycle, unsolicited bro. dick pics and people would always be interested. It would go right, <laughs> past, go right past harassment and go straight to just morbid curiosity of it what a fucking reattached dick looks like, you know? Like, like, people are always interested in, like, a pug riding a skateboard. Like, are people always interested in a reattached dick also? Like, is that the spectrum we're dealing with? I'll tell you this. I don't think you're going to get many repeat clicks. <laughs> you know, it is just a morbid curiosity. Like, like I could watch it and you go, oh. Right, just back out. But just in terms of initial like curiosity, you figure everyone's got to be like, I got to see this thing, man. Like, <laughs> and then it's really, it's really disappointing. And then it's just diminishing returns from there. Like, he doesn't have a lot of repeat customers. Right, that's, that's weird, the point. Weird dick porn. Do you think he's still doing weird dick porn? Oh, I have to imagine no. But my point is, right afterwards, let's track this, all right? Because I don't know when the trial was, but let's say the American justice system moves very slowly. She cuts mm-hmm. the shit off in '93. She goes to jail. Let's say at best, the trial is not till late '94, if not '95. Yeah. Right. So I'm just thinking about the re- recuperation period of like. She cut off a dick and threw it in a field, but she was nice enough to tell the cops exactly which field she threw it in, which is like fascinating to me. <laughs> like she went insane enough to cut a dick off, but sane enough to, to remember where she threw it after the fact. And she just threw it out the window like it was fucking gum or a wrapper or some shit. You know what but I mean? They found it in time to reattach it. Right. And it still worked. Functional. It functional enough to sell fucking porns to it. Apparently, they named a, a sea worm after it, by the way. I'm on the Wikipedia page. A what worm? A sea worm? It's like a sea worm. They call it the bobbit worm. It's an aquatic <laughs> predatory worm uh, that dwells on the ocean floor that has scissor-like jaws that do this. Okay, that's, that's hilarious. The but, okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, people say that fucking, what is that, zoologist, uh, etymologist, uh, the zoological etymologist? Sure, I don't yes. know who does that, but, you know, um, whoever names animals, they say they don't have any sense of humor. That's hilarious. Man. Aqua, aqua doctors. Aquadoctors. Aquadoctors. Marine biologist, you mean? <laughs> like, sure. aquadoctors, you know what Wait, you are. Was it just me or did, like, every kid in elementary school want to be a fucking marine biologist at some point? Well, I think it's because of dolphins. Everyone really romanticizes dolphins, not knowing also, that they're rapists. Oh, yeah. Also, it was the era of Free Willy. You know, Shamu was, like, in vogue. You know, people were right. super Shamu and fucking Free Willy. That movie was really ahead of itself, and I could be fucking this up because I don't remember the events of Free Willy 1 so much other than the kid's name is Jesse and there's an oil spill and he has to jump out of a thing. But is he in captivity, right? Like, this was this was well ahead of the Blackfish that that was, Yeah, that was the issue. Is like, he was in captivity, but the kid could, like, understand the whale's wants and needs, and he was like, this whale needs to be fucking free. It needs to right. be Free Willy. <laughs> much, like, much like the uh, Bobbit situation that was a free willy for a minute out the car window do you think that that movie would have been better if they just would have committed to like the weird uh, like esp between willy and jesse like if there was just like a voiceover (laughs) what if it was like et but like more like prominent and distracting yeah instead of broken english yeah it's whale voice but like really high pitched uh but he's but he's having full-on conversations but we'll we'll do like a cutback where it's Mm -hmm. him talking to no one you know he's the only one who can hear it oh shit so he's got schizophrenia and then like a a fucking mentally why do you gotta live in that world why can't it be that this this fucking whale can talk (laughs) man like you want to go straight to in these children's yeah come on man you gotta believe i mean you're talking about a kid you know hearing whale voices the natural conclusion is if you walk in say it's your kid and he's uh, he's always been weird he's super into whales or whatever 
One day he meets a whale, befriends it, and then you just hear him talking to a whale that isn't there right. in his room. Like, what do you do? What's the oh, well, hold on, hold on, because in all these scenarios, the whale would be present. It's not, it's oh, not okay. like he's, he's at the movie. I thought it was like, no matter how far apart they are on the globe, like he can hear Willie in right. his head. They can he talk. probably can. At least he got like a Willie sense or something. Because that was the E.T. of it all. Like E.T. would get drunk and Elliot would get drunk, you know? Right. And then he it's made weird. out with the girl in class and like all the kids were running around and he's right. like drinking beer and watching watching shit. Well, maybe he can hear them, but we don't show them speaking to each other. Like, how about that even look visually on, on film? Just him like doing would, this? Like. No, it, it would be like uh, uh, The Last Jedi when like Kylo and uh, Ray are talking or whatever. And it's like, it looks like they're in the same room, even though oh, they're not. Yeah. It's just cutting to him and his tank, like looking out something. And then you see like the kid, he's yeah. like looking out his window. Like, okay, so that's how we visually get people to understand yeah. that Willie and Jesse have a fucking connection. All right, You've well, got in that to break case, into the aquatic facility, Jimmy. You must kill three guards on the way here. Let me loose on the population, Jimmy. Okay, that changes. This is like a son of Sam situation. Jesse is like taking orders from a fucking I'm saying whale. that's the natural like conclusion that as a parent you'd come to is if you see your kid being like, oh, I got to kill some guards and free Willie. You're like, what? fuck is this kid talking about but again this was this this predates the blackfish of it all so early like really yeah. against it but there was also like the environmental angle so this is uh, in the in the in the shadow of the exxon valdez because isn't the isn't the big third act showstopper uh that like somehow oil's been spilled all over and there's just like a fucking fire and that's why he has to jump over i don't remember I'm like really the fucking honest. cover of the movie is him uh, jumping like yeah. what's, the, what's the premise well, honestly i remember the simpsons parody of it more than the actual movie um, right you remember that parody i do i remember it and it's like it's the director's cut of free willy and then free willy like almost makes it and then just crushes the kid and it's like ah, oh, free willy killed our boy and the husband goes oh what a mess <laughs> that was it yeah <laughs> okay see that's when they should have introduced the concept of vsp willie um just to give some exposition of like look you fuckers thought he was good but secretly this kid was an asshole he was always taunting me uh he had to die because he was a little hitler michael jackson produced and performed will you be there the theme for the film I do not. Oh, I that. thought you were gonna say he was a producer on the film. <laughs> like he was like, this is a real passion project for me. <laughs> he really loved whales. Damn, this movie raked in some fucking money, dude. Tell me. It had a budget of twenty mil, made hundred and fifty three point six domestically. This Damn, like this is ninety three. Ninety three money. Yo, whales, man. When did we have a fascination with that? I was watching this really interesting uh, like video essay about America gets obsessed with certain animals at different time periods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the one that keeps coming back up is monkeys, dude. Like, we have a They're weird... the most like us. I, I, well, see, that's, what, that's the logical answer to it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that we're using them as a stand-in because we are like 98% identical. But it's just weird to me because we've always used it uh, mostly to drive divisions and to, to make other people pejorative. And so like, there was a whole thing on King Kong that was really interesting, which is like the original King Kong sexualized Kong. Like, you know, we make fun of the 2005 one. Well, didn't sexualize him where he's like going around being rapey or anything like that. But he clearly is like infatuated with the blonde and it's not just a friendship thing. Like the Peter Jackson oh, one. Oh, I thought you were saying that they were trying to make King Kong sexy in the movie. And I was like, I don't think. Oh, no. He's sexy. Like he's doing like a burlesque. Like they, you said they sexualized him. 
Um, well, they sexualized them in as much that they were trying to have this weird racial overtone of like right, where it's like man, if you're of like woman. a black man and a white woman right, together. And, which is yeah. weird to me. Uh, but but and, and and you know as bad as I don't think the 2005 one's terrible, but it has some problems. But the one thing they get right there is that it isn't a romantic thing; it's just like a fucking friendship thing. And you're like, well, I can swallow that a little bit better, right. I guess, than like the uh, monkey fucking aspect of it. But we we keep going back to that well because King Kong, we have the Planet of the Apes. You know, mm-hmm. we had Project X in the 80s. If you know your Matthew uh, Broderick films, uh, probably not. Uh, but my point is, like, we... <laughs> You're waiting for me to answer in the affirmative no. I thought you knew Project X. Project X is a movie where Matthew Broderick, for whatever reason, is hanging out in, like, a chimp sanctuary and is teaching them sign language. Uh, and it's really sad because they're just doing tests on them, like, giving them chemotherapy and shit like that. There's a monkey named Bluebird. A Bluebeard. Why would anybody watch that, that movie? That sounds it's terrible. fucked up. I think Leah Thompson's in it. This was, like, right on is the heels. Is it, like, a harrowing drama, or is it supposed to be, like, fun? No, it's really cute, except for the moments that are sad, which is all the times the monkeys die. <laughs> well, there's a lot of monkey death, bro. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I, I feel like that—that's the kind of movie where it's like March of the Penguins situation, where you're being sold a false bill of goods. Right. You think it's going to be about cute penguins, but the entire movie is like 80 straight minutes of just penguins dying. Uh huh. Did, did they didn't put a hat on it at the end? I never watched fucking the end of March of the Penguin. I just who's got time to watch that much death? Uh, well, no, they they make it to their destination and they have some penguin children and it all works out, but not for the ones that died. The countless <laughs> fucking penguins on their penguin trail of tears. So uh, they, not so lucky. <laughs> so do they give them names and stuff? Do they like uh, like this is Henry and like I just want to know how much of a personal connection they give I, me before they kill him. I don't think so, but they do like track like, oh, this little penguin baby that you've been following for 10 minutes or whatever, like you witnessed his birth and the miracle of life and him standing for the first time. He just got eaten by a fucking polar bear. Right. You know, and it's like, well, that's, I know that happens, but I don't need to see it. What, what's some random animal violence you're cool with? <laughs> like, I want to know what you are cool to see. I just watched a gif of like a, a underwater spider living in an underwater spider bubble who like grabs a shrimp from the top of the surface of the water or whatever and like pulls it into the bubble and paralyzes it. And I was like, that's pretty gnarly. I'm, I'm into that. I could have lived my whole life without knowing sea spiders are a real thing, man. Like, yeah. God damn it. Like, because in my mind, crabs and lobsters are already the spiders oh, of the ocean. You know what I mean? Like they've, 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 at least they have the best publicist because you hear about those fuckers all the time, but actual sea spiders. No, man. Man, spiders in all their forms are just wonderful, elegant, graceful creatures. There should be more of them. Um, <laughs> what if you know? what if God is real, a and b is in is in uh, no, he didn't create all of us in the in in the vision of himself because he is a giant fucking spider. He's just a giant spider who is also sometimes a snake. Okay. Either way, hold on, just go with me. What if the trial is this fucker is like, you can get to heaven, but I got to eat you and I got to suffocate you in a web first. That's the trial. That's how you get to the next life. Fuck that, man. So wait, if you go through that, then you're good. You That's don't what he need- says, but he's a fucking spider. Notoriously untrustworthy. So, so there's a possibility that he's lying to you about this and that there's no heaven on the other side of this for you he's just a giant spider who eats you, you just figured that if god was a giant spider someone that would have got out by now you know like what, so i, I mean webs him. he weaves 
Uh, I just don't, I don't trust him because I don't like that he couldn't be upfront about this. And also because the Bible's like, he made us in his vision. Okay. If it comes out that I get up to fucking heaven and he's a giant spider. And then the big reveal is we cut to cut around to me 180 and I'm a spider the whole time. Then sure. Then I guess I'm okay with it. But then I would just self amulet. I'd kill myself. What do you got against spiders, dude? Uh, they creep me out. And it's a it's a phobia. It's irrational. They just scare the shit out of me, man. They're really horrific. And have they you move ever been so bitten fast. by a spider? I assume I have. I can't remember any time, to be completely honest. But I, you, you figure it's happened. Yeah. I just <laughs> <it's> scary, man. <laughs> I don't know what you uh, want me to say about it. I'm saying like you're asking if there's a horror story, like a traumatizing thing that. Yeah, no, me. I'm I'm just trying to figure out like if the, if like something happened to you when you were young, or if you had like an actual situation where a spider was like, "I'm gonna fuck you up, guy. I don't care." I don't a care spider, yeah, mugged me when I was walking home. <laughs> yeah, like I just want to know, you know, if anything no, happened to you. No spider mugging, sadly. I just I they move so abnormally to the way things move in my they use they use liquid in their legs they don't even have no bones in there yeah that's horrifying i just just, tubes and they just like weird like they just pump like well see uh, what they say is that every organic thing is made out of the same materials but i ain't made out of what a spider is made out of that's all i'm saying all right you don't know that you don't know that you know you could be what are the statistics (laughs) show me the statistics back uh, you know, the, the thing about statistics is you can make them anything you want and they're bullshit. You know, let's just do away with all information. I say live in a post-information us. world. Can we post facts world, please? Do you Fake think that news. human evolution is a real thing? Like, I mean, cause I, I was, well, no, no. I mean, obviously humans as we are now we've evolved, but do you think we'll get to a point evolutionarily where we like have abilities to do shit? Basically I'm asking if the X-Men can be real. <laughs> if I got to be honest. Uh, with I, I think that the next logical step for us is to, to do like, you know, the, the CRISPR technology, right? I'm sorry. What's CRISPR? Can you fill me in? I'm a layman. Um, it is, uh, g- gene editing. It's like, um, Gattaca. So oh, like, Gattaca. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's becoming commercially available. I think for the first time where we're, or I think they, they just like did it to the first two babies, um, where they create, you can create like a perfect specimen that's going to have perfect health and be able to hold their breath for a super long time, basically be like peak physical condition their entire lives and have no predisposition to any illnesses or anything like that. And the concern is that rich people are obviously going to be able to afford this first, and it's going to create a class of human beings that are genetically superior to everyone else. Right. We'll live longer. We'll hold on to that wealth longer, uh, which is spooky. Yeah, no, it, it, it's really fucking weird. Okay, but, but can, I, all right, can I talk like evolutionary ethics? But, but, but you're, oh, okay. But, but well, you were asking originally, though, like about mutants. Like, are we just going to naturally start developing weird mutant abilities? Sure, but your previous answer has now led me to a fucking fork in the road, which is to say that if we are fucking with evolution, if we're able to go in and splice genes, evolution effectively stops. Like, yeah. you know, whatever is going to come. Like, in theory, like, I, I don't, don't want to be pessimistic, man, but I think we're in the last you know century maybe of like real mass human and as much that like you know there are these events in history that keep happening and humans survive they keep getting through small bands of them and shit and then we come Mm -hmm. out a little bit stronger we have some new traits that gets us along yeah okay (laughs) give me put money in my fucking tithe uh bowl or whatever but yeah so my question is like doing that like 
I think there could have been a time where maybe, uh, like, uh, you know, we spend enough time in the water, Aquaman happens, you know what I mean? Like, because we come from the ocean, right? That's the source, as they say, the, mm-hmm. the life source. So it's like, we had gills originally, our, our ancient, ancient, ancient ancestors slither the fuck out of the oceans, and over millions of years, we became land dwellers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no recourse going forward, is there? Uh, we're splicing, bro. Like, I would have saying here's what i'll say is like uh i I think that maybe evolution at least as far as we currently think of it can't really persist if we're developing new ways to keep um people alive who would normally not be alive because like that's the point of natural selection right like healthcare has gotten to the point that it's made natural selection almost irrelevant so like whatever negative traits that you might have that would like predispose you to not continue to to breed and multiply and survive or whatever like that that's still in the gene pool. That's still in the mix. So we got to force evolution. Okay. We got to make it happen because like we're, we're living too long. Yeah. But that, but that doesn't really, that's not really a 100% truth, is it? Because just because modern medicine can keep you alive doesn't mean that at your core, you're not genetically predisposed to things, right? If your father, if your father and your grandfather and your grandfather before that all died of heart conditions at age 40, presumably that is being that's been passed on to you as well, right? Just because modern medicine at its current status can keep you alive, give you medicine that kind of negates it doesn't mean that it's not there. What I'm saying is like evolution would negate that purpose of medicine altogether because it would be something that we wouldn't even have to deal with anymore. Does that make sense? Like as opposed to where modern medicine is just uh, keeping things at bay. We haven't got to the next part where our genes are already genetically like against, we have antibodies against these predispositions, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, correct. Like, I, I'm not saying that we're eradicating illnesses altogether. I'm just saying that we're keeping it at bay long enough for natural selection and not really be doing its job. Um, so, like, even people with, like, a variety of genetic uh, conditions, like, that's improving all the fucking time. So, like, the, and the population pool is so large now that, like, uh, natural selection probably isn't working on the level that it normally would be either. Listen, I want to work through something with you. Uh, a tradition on this podcast is that we talk about mass extinctions, mm-hmm. apocalyptic AI, things. We haven't done matrix. it in a while, though. We haven't talked about the, the 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 next extinction event. And here's my question: because, like, I was thinking about Soylent Green the other day, <laughs> and I was like, it's you know, people. say what you want about Soylent Green. It seemed it's made of people. So, which it is it seemed like a sort of respectful and humane way <laughs> i couldn't get all the way through well, that yeah because well, you you commit suicide but it's super nice super they, peaceful like, play your your favorite music and you yeah. sit in like your own theater and you got a comfy armchair and they kill you painlessly right. and well you get that's that's a really masses. good thing that and that's kind of the point like i think it's fucked up but the idea is if we are overpopulated Without some cataclysmic, horrible thing happening, what is a respectful way to be like, we got to get rid of like a billion people? Like, because Thanos snapped his fingers and all these fuckers went away. That didn't seem respectful. No one got to say goodbye. There was no law and order to it. That was like leftovers times, uh, uh, what, 25? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Times 25. (laughs) Times 50, I assume. I don't know, man. Um, But yeah, so so that's that's my large question, I guess, is... uh, yeah, what I said. Wait, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, let's you and I, let's find a yeah. way. 
to, to oh like what's the least painful or nicest way like is silent cause... green is silent green's only fault that they weren't upfront about it <laughs> like if silent green came out it was like yeah it's people but guess what we're very respectful all right so, sort of like and sorry to bother you and like they find out about the horse people and then everybody goes ah yeah stock right. prices go up right yeah just be upfront about your evil shit. You normalize it. No, but see, but, 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 but okay, but it's not evil. We're we're looking at it like we got to save the species. Okay, we need to willingly get a billion people to just get the fuck out of here. Okay, so how do you mm. do that? Do we do we uh, do we take a fucking uh, you know pool of all the country's money and resources to just pay off the relatives of a billion people to say, hey, if you kill yourself, we'll fucking pay your family off. We we open up a theme park. Um, we call it Stargate Theme Park, and it's got one attraction. It's this fucking Stargate. You get to go one one way ticket to another dimension. You step through a portal. Uh, it costs like very little money, like five bucks. We'll even pay to fly you out there. We're sponsored <laughs> by Duracell or something. Um, and then they go through a portal. It's not really a portal. Uh, they just fall into a canyon. And it's die. an intergalactic woodchipper. Knows. Yeah. Um, so you just get as many people as possible. Like, oh, they must be in this other place. How great. And really they're just falling into the Grand Canyon. Okay. So this is still predicated on a giant lie though, which is what I was trying to avoid with uh, Soylent Green. <laughs> like come well, out and say it. I mean, people would figure it out eventually. And then we'd be like, oh, spoiler alert. Cause people hate spoilers. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you're not. You're not, you're not, you're not, you don't want to be a problem solver no, today, no, Max. Well, no, 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 I don't know, like, what, what would be a good way to be upfront about it? Be like, hey, because then you, you basically have to convince people to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah. how do you do that? You're, you're like, you're dropping this question in my lap. Like, hey, like, well, I'm trying to workshop with know. you, man. This whole podcast well, idea is to promote a better society, one which we can convince people to kill each other. And what I said initially was, uh, what's, what are the things that people are motivated by, right? The first thing money staying That's alive sure but uh yeah what i'm saying is like what are ways that you could convince people to do it where it's like upfront people know what's happening and there's still motivation in a way that there's almost a transactional aspect to it as fucked up as that sounds like you're buying someone's life like do we pull all the money from all the nation's wealth and we make a fund and we're like the fucking billion people come up here you pick your family, and we'll take care of your family financially. We'll give them a big lump sum of money. But we, you know, I mean, like, just raising that amount of money would be, like, yeah, yeah, ludicrous, right? Unless we're lying about that. No. My point is this. Okay, so if that's ludicrous, what is another, what else do we motivate people with? Let's rewind the clocks. Re okay. Rewind the clocks. So we invent a new advertising technology that only advertise via, via like maybe face recognition or something to the specific person that is receiving the advertisement and it talks directly to them and it goes, Hey, uh, Jimmy John, this is a picture of your nephew. This is a picture of your niece. This is a picture of your children, your grandchildren, all of them. Do you want them to live in a better place? Do you, this is how much food you ate last year. You cow, you piece of shit. This is how much money you're costing the world just by existing in it. This is how much trash you built, you made last year. Right. Now, now, now imagine all that taken away. Just show like montage green fields, waterfalls, <laughs> children, his digital children just running and playing and the grandchildren and all that. And that's a life without Jimmy John. And just hit it home 18 to 30 times a day until Jimmy John signs up for the free suicide uh, and problem solved. Targeted advertising and marketing appeals to a wide swath of demographics. I think we nailed it. We can put that problem to bed. 
I, I'm really glad that it kind of went, it still went to a dark place, but it was not as dark as I thought. Cause I thought you were going to be like, see your mom, you see your grandfather, you see your children. Cool. Um, so do we, it's like a live feed and they're like, they're tied oh, up. Like where you're threatening them. Yeah. That's another way you could go. I mean, it can get more aggressive. Right. And you could just see like a very realistic digital rendering of your entire family, all your loved ones, like being held at gunpoint. At right. any moment, like at any oh, moment, so it's a digital could, rendering. We're not really doing it. We were. Yeah, they're not actually. There's not actually footage monsters. of these kids running through fields, you know, because right. all the fields are dead. But they'll be alive if Jimmy right. John, you know. Well, there it is. Jumps out of the the portal into the Grand Canyon. In that, in that. Is. <laughs> what is the obsession with the Grand Canyon here? I just think it would be really funny for people to think they're going to go into a Stargate universe and they just fall off a cliff. But wouldn't it be easier to say, like, instead of make a fucking Stargate, like, so you. The initial premise is you said build a theme park. You didn't say where. Is the theme park also located in the Grand Canyon, Max? Yeah, yeah. It's not a working teleporter, Christian. Like it's oh, gonna be you never specified. Canyon. I thought it was literally like you built a Stargate for some reason in like Wyoming. We find, and- we find a less famous cliff, but the point being, you know, <laughs> they jump, they go through it, they die. It's hilarious. Nobody knows what's up until Google Earth just sees a pile of dead bodies <laughs> and people figure it out. I don't know. It could crystallize. It I mean, what, what are like, your ideas here? I, I'm, I'm like pitching left and right. Well, uh, other than to pay people? I mean, you didn't really pitch anything. You pitched an aggressive ad campaign, which is great. That, but it That's doesn't... the entire idea. So, so what you're saying is- That, that solves that, every problem. Like, but in that scenario, up? you're still not paying them. You're just saying, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. That's what you're yeah, saying. You're, you're just constantly and consistently reminding them until the narrative in their own head, their own way of thinking is, man, I'm like a burden on everyone I love. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> sorry. I'm just, I'm just, my point is that like there was a woman who got put away a couple of years ago for telling her ex-boyfriend to go kill himself and then he killed himself and then that bitch got locked up for it, which is crazy to me. But also I feel like she kind of deserves it. See, I see that look on your face. I feel like, I feel like you got to some weird ethical place here, which is like, is that woman a cunt for sure? No. Excuse me for saying it. But does she deserve to go to jail for that? That's a no. genuine question, right? The answer is no. Okay. How long between her telling him to do that and him doing it was there again? Like uh, the same night. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, right. Direct correlation. It's not like he, she said it once eight months ago. And like he did, did she it. feel bad later? Yeah, well, she felt bad because she got fucking convicted. You like, know? Wouldn't, well, wouldn't she feel just as bad just knowing that he actually did it? And then she'd be like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. Like, what's the nature of the, their relationship? They were, like, dating or something. And then she was just a real shithead to him. Oh. So it wasn't, like, a funny, like, oh, you should kill yourself, guy. And he's like, I All don't right. know what scenario that just go kill yourself is casually stated. You know what I mean? And then he doesn't. She's like, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. that okay, was... but, but the bigger question here is if she got convicted, how do we not hold a corporate, a robot corporation accountable? You're basically saying we like- change like, the law. Oh, okay. Well, so you're talking about like just dystopia then. I mean, the current world we live in where like uh, lobbyists uh, exist. Yes, yes. The current world we live in is what I'm talking about. Marketing works. So anyway, dude, like he got his penis reattached and he went to porn, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I need to, I need to really hark back to that for a second. I mean, like how, how long did he go on doing the porn? 
Is there any number of years that makes you respect him? You're like, he put in 10 years well, post-penis reconstruction? I, like, you, you hear about, like, people who do crazy shit and they get out of prison or they're famous for some bullshit and, like, porn companies approach them. And, like, right. you, you'll hear about, like, oh, yeah, I got an offer from blah, blah, blah. Um, like, I'm just wondering, like, did this guy do, like, a one-and-done freak video or did he, like, make a, you know, a career out of this? Right. Uh, I mean, I'm, I hope. I'm happy because... for him either way. Like, it worked out for that guy. Well, I hope it's like an American dream situation and, uh, you know, like he, 20 years, still going strong. <laughs> they thought he wouldn't last a fucking movie. He's still going strong, man. Man, we should make that movie. You About know, call, his... call it Antichrist Part 2. <laughs> so, so you want to invite the fucking copyright infringement just because the the dick of it all? That's why? Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's a weird be... thing. It would have no relation whatsoever. It's called Antichrist 2, but it's literally a biopic. Li- yeah, it's, it's literally a film about an, an event that happened in real life. Who knows? Maybe Antichrist 1 happened too. Maybe that, that's what happened to Lars von Trier. That's why he's so fucked up. That would explain it. That would explain a lot. Yeah. I want to see him do something weird. <laughs> Like a 9-11 biopic or something, oh, you know, okay. something really I was really going to say, weird. like, if you want to see that, just, like, go watch any movie he's made. <laughs> no, I mean, weird for him, you know? Like, uh, him being weird is now normal. That's, like, the thing that you expect, but... Right. Yo, him, oh. him, him making, like, a really respectful film about, like, Rosa Parks or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, somehow some nightmare demon shit happens on the bus. It's, like, secretly a bus to some weird hell right. or and, something. And the bus actually represents him and his career. And his penis. And his penis. Not it's a phallic him. thing. And also Rosa Parks represents him. And well. his penis. And his penis. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but it was implied. What were you going to say? Uh, it was completely uh, off guard. I read a story about a little girl who has this disease. And I guess this has been around for a while. But she has this disease where she literally has no nerve endings. So she can't feel pain. She has no pain this. receptors. Um, she can't feel anything though right anything so bro it's rare but these people exist and this is why i brought up the The x-men evolution of it all because i'm wondering if this is like a thing that happens and if these are literally our fucking superheroes like because if my if i had a kid and at age six he told me that he couldn't feel pain i'm training him to be batman okay (laughs) like because it's his responsibility to be batman so you wouldn't make him a bubble boy where it's like, you don't know your limits. Pain is a teacher and you can't learn. No, I'm making him go the opposite fucking way, man. I know that just because he can't, just because he can't feel pain doesn't mean he can't die, but he could just go out there and take ass whoopings and it never affects him, man. So, so does she not have nerve endings to the point where like someone could like, I don't know, like stab her and she wouldn't know? Dude, no feeling at all. She can touch uh, like an like a, like a open like a- flame and not feel it burning and her skin is obviously freaking the fuck out like everything else is acting normally it's not like an unbreakable right. situation where like you know that you can't pierce the skin or anything but well, she just can't feel it and that, so that's what i'm saying if that's one if, aspect if she of had it, unbreakable skin i feel like you would have led with that and then also she can't feel pain <laughs> well i was like, like oh yeah by the way uh, like she's indestructible <laughs> but that's what i'm saying she could be superman like she could be super what if superman was born and didn't know he was superman like or yeah i mean you know that would be a movie 
it, it, it is a movie. It's called Unbreakable. I think yeah. that's the whole point of that movie. But hearing, hearing bad reviews for that glass. Well, I'm hearing know. like 45% or something. That was the last time I checked it. But here's the thing about that movie. What, I, what I'm reading the bad reviews about it uh, is not that it's bad for any lack of ambition. Rather, like what I've heard about the biggest criticism of the Glass movie is just the fact that you and I, the audience, we saw a whole movie, Unbreakable, confirming that David Dunn is, in fact, Unbreakable. And then we had a whole movie split, which confirmed yeah. that Crumb is indeed a fucking supernatural guy who can climb on walls. Mm-hmm. So why do they spend over an hour of this movie trying to get you to believe that that's not real? <laughs> because apparently that's the big, like, a big cardinal sin for a lot of these reviews that i've read immediately is just like but we already know so you're spending an hour of your runtime trying to put doubt in our heads for a third act that we also already know is going to happen and Mm -hmm. so i'm like okay well maybe it's devoid of surprise but other reviews i've read for it that are positive are like really positive you know so i think it's going to be a divisive movie i don't think it's going to be unbreakable i I love unbreakable i don't think it's going to be as good as split obviously but i think i'm gonna have fun watching it isn't the whole thing with Mr. Glass that he's just engineered all of these like terrorist attacks to find the next superhero? Oh, in Unbreakable, what the big yeah. test of it is? Sure, but that's not necessary. Like, that's the difference between Sixth Sense and Unbreakable to me is that Sixth Sense, I, it, they do a great character study up until that point, but the mm. twist is very much like a big deal. Like, that's, that's, that's like the magic trick of that movie is then you go back and you're like, oh, this, this, and this. It's not like they gave you a breadcrumb in the same way with Unbreakable where like, oh, the twist was so well thought out, blah, 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 and it was there the whole time. Like, the movie very much is a character deconstruction of superhero myths, which is why I like it. Not why I was bringing it up. The reason I was bringing it up... (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Well... Um, I'm just saying if you were talking shit about the the, the twist itself, like, that it seemed too contrite or something, you know? Well, I mean... but well the point that i bring it up is that like wouldn't it be great if in glass like david uh dunn and um uh split guy just like fought it out in the first 30 minutes they both killed each other and then it's the rest of the movie is just mr glass like having to like plan all these other terrorist attacks and just like hope for another superhero it's just like well another one he's just like throwing crumpled papers over his shoulder just headlines like uh 30 killed no survivors like ah shit yeah I'd watch well, that movie. Would watch that would be a subversion of expectations that I'd be all about. I'd watch the movie if it was in real time and him planning things, just making calls, you know, getting right. general layouts of buildings, calling the government offices, mm-hmm. like trying to get freedom. Yeah, of it would be like uh, like Spotlight or All the President's Men, except he's not right. a journalist. He's a, a mass murderer. Right. And then at the very end, he finds the superhero, but he like falls down and has a brain hemorrhage. <laughs> breaks everything. <laughs> Literally breaks into shards. You're like, fuck, that's you literal. You call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> and then just like collapses on himself. I like the, I said, the, the thing that I really love about that movie, the, the Unbreakable one, beyond like the just deconstruction of the mythos or whatever, is the idea that like, of importance right of of it being real like because otherwise if david dunn doesn't exist right if the superman doesn't exist elijah mr glass is a like just a fucked up flawed 
freak of evolution. He's just this, this horrific thing and he's lived his whole life in pain. And yet like him going away for the rest of his life at the end of unbreakable is the happiest moment of his entire life because it confirms that he's not a freak or an accident. And it's the validation. Like that is a beautiful fucking sentiment within that movie. What I'm worried about class is they're going to somehow undo that. Like why does yeah. he, why does Elijah need a second film at all? Right. Cause I, for the reason I just fucking it's said, because his arc is already done and David well, Dunn is also is done. Well, we'll see, but, but so that's the thing is like we don't know the emotional cost of any of these things. I don't know if his family, Robin Wright Penn, is in this movie or any of that shit from Unbreakable. But the idea that I'm saying is like it, it is interesting to me. Like I'm scared of the movie because I'm like there's no purpose for Elijah to be there still. But at the same time, it's now that he's confirmed that he knows who he is. He can actually be a villain because otherwise, like you're saying, he's just the guy sitting in a room making calls and like trying right. to fuck shit up. But he's that really ineffectual. A- I'm just saying that was a tremendous leap of faith on his part to just be like, all right, he's not only going to like plan this, he's going to follow through on it. And more than once, like after his first try, he's like, well, that didn't work out on to the next one. And then eventually he causes a train crash. But it emboldens is my point because he says in the movie how he does have genuine remorse for killing all these people, but he did so out of like a need to know if he was special. So again, as fucked up as it is, the ends justify the means sort of. I guess, right? Because he finds this person and he's like, I'm, I, this wasn't in vain. All these people died for a reason because I found fucking Superman. Here's a question for you. If okay. one day through freak accident or you just wake up and realize it, you suddenly realize you are a superhero. You have mm. superhero powers. Would you start like dressing up and <laughs> fighting crime in Philadelphia on the mean streets, patrolling the streets, like get like a fucking police scanner? Or would you just be like, I don't know what to do with this information and just continue on with your life? Uh, If I was a superhero, well, this goes back to our Switzerland conversation. You can't see evil without doing something about it, right? So I'd probably do it. I would cosplay as uh, the hood. So Easy e from NWA once wrote a comic with Rob Liefeld, the guy who did uh, Deadpool. And Mm -hmm. it was going to publish it, but it never came out. And it was just literally called The Hood. And it was a guy in the hood who calls himself the hood going around just fucking people up. Kind of the best thing in the world. I would just take that. I would, that would be my persona. I would cosplay as the hood and go around <laughs> and fuck shit up. So yeah. you just go around punching people? They deserve like, it. What, well, what, what crimes would you be punishing? Capital crimes. Capital crimes. Rico statures. You oh, so you'd, be, you'd be like uh, patrolling Wall Street and just yeah. fucking up. Uh, <laughs> Could you imagine if Wall Street was literally like the people are like, at Lehman Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if, if Wall Street was literally just people like yelling, like just sell it, trade. And there's just a guy walking around the fucking baseball bat in a hood. Like you motherfuckers and better everybody's be like too busy yelling to like notice that there's a, oh, so he's completely a baseball bat. <laughs> oh, so he is hurting people, but no one notices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's new york they don't give a shit right even if they did know they're on you the mind floor, your own they're business selling. they're still selling they're on the floor we gotta sell and buy um i mean would would you not i mean because it goes back to the to the spider-man of it all right with great power comes great responsibility i know that's not just a spider-man line by the way well but I, i've been playing that game and it, it really got me thinking about all of that and it's like throughout throughout the game you're swinging around the city and random crimes will happen and it's like the game like makes you feel guilty if you swing past them because you see all these red dots and like a big flashing arrow and be like, oh, someone help me. And you're like, well, if I don't help, I'm kind of a piece of shit. But then you realize like they have an entire police force here for this reason. I'm just the guy swinging around on webs that are indestructible and sticking to buildings. Another thing, 
do those indestructible webs like eventually like dissipate or does like the city have to like pay to get them cleaned off? Yeah, of New York city buildings? has a ridiculous like window washer budget just because of Spider-Man. He fucks it all up for the budget. He's just costing the taxpayer like billions of dollars. Yeah. Crimes down, but at what cost, <laughs> you know, specifically $6 billion in window right. cost Spider-Man. But no, no I, like uh, at that point, yeah, at that point, aren't you just like doing it uh, for your own, uh, you know, self-gratification or whatever? Like th- there, there's an entire system in place to help stop this. Yeah, but the, that entire system is a system largely that comes after the fact and has to then put shit together. So, yeah, while a detective, a detective might come after a murder and he may solve who killed that person, that person may get prosecuted. It's well after the fact, as opposed to someone on a street level going out taking out the garbage immediately right you yeah. are preventing crime your minority report man you're a goddamn precog where these police motherfuckers are getting paid pensions what pension does spider-man have nothing nothing honestly if i woke up i wouldn't start fighting crime i would i would uh just join the olympics however that's done <laughs> Um, I would However, make, that's done. <laughs> I would make millions of dollars in sponsorship deals because I'd be like really good at everything, um, okay. and then use that money start Wait, investing do you, do you, wisely. Do you think superheroes are just blanket good at everything? Like, I bet oh. you that Falcon is still a better basketball player than fucking like Black Panther, just because like you know, like basketball is not like a big thing in Wakanda. I assume. Probably not. Well, no. Like, I'm. I'm just saying. Like, you're gonna have a leg up if, if you're okay. a, if you're a superhero. Like, let's just say you're Spider-Man. Like, you're okay. gonna be a better basketball player, a better runner, better <laughs> almost everything than anyone else. You got like mad hops other... for sure. You could definitely jump over everybody if nothing Dude, else. Bro, come right. on. So, so you can make like millions of dollars in sponsorship deals. Like, uh, invest that money wisely over the course of many decades. Right. And then down the line, like you start like actually like starting charities that do a public good. And, you know, like just spread uh, cheer and joy and safety wherever you go in the right way instead of running around punching poor people. Well, if you're Spider-Man, well, they're they're causing ruckus. They deserve to get punched. Okay. (laughs) Like, but if you're Spider-Man, what I'm saying is like, you know what? You could do that. That seems like a really long plan. You got to get on Wheaties boxes and shit. And it's, you're just a guy. If you're mm-hmm. Spider-Man, why don't you just go into Wall Street? Literally, just web everybody up, steal all the money, redistribute, go to Costa Rica. Get people why not? Rica money. That's why what I'm not? saying. Because like, like, like Spider-Man is just like protecting the banks. He's an enforcer for the bank. Because all of his villains, his entire rogues gallery, just want to rob banks. That's their whole ambition. But you're saying that like the heroes are really the fucking, like they're like, for the proletariat, we must take down the institutions. And Spider-Man is fucking big banking. It's like, I you mean, know, Honestly, most of the heroes are there just to like continue like restoring uh, faith and authority, right? Like, right, capitalistic values and shit. Yeah, they're they're propping up the institutions on their backs. Like, I got you, guy. You're not going to crumble today. Right, uh, capitalism. It's fucked makes up. Me fucking sick. You actually maybe listen. I've learned how to read from comics. Uh, they're my favorite medium, and I think you just killed it for me. Like because because uh, I've been reading this for twenty five years, and at no point was I just like, oh yeah, it's all they're capitalist stooges. They're fucking puppets for goddamn Dick Cheney and Halliburton, man. Like, oh, I hate you, you it. Think I'm Wayne really Enterprises sad. doesn't have defense contracts, bro? You Bullshit. <laughs> Cruise missile. <laughs> Dude, I ever tell you, like, that's how Avengers, like, it was the one time I ever felt like I was a good screenwriter was I, I watched Avengers Age of Ultron, and I was like, you could have fixed a lot of this movie with just one scene that starts in, like, Sokovia or whatever, wherever they are in that movie, and it shows, like, Scarlet Witch and 
and uh, it's Quicksilver's kids, and they're just everything's tranquil, and then a fucking missile comes and blows their shit, and and then the kids get pinned, and all they can see is on the side of the fucking missile is casing is dark. Dude, I'm like, I'm in. I understand your motivation immediately. Like that's how you fix that fucking thing, and I and that's the point. Right. Like these large corporations definitely made their money on war profiteering because mm-hmm. that's the most lucrative fucking thing in the world, right? Right. But I mean, to be fair, I guess that is something that they like put a, uh, you know, spotlight on is that Iron Man, like uh, in the first one, he's like, no, we're not making weapons anymore. And then Obadiah Stane's like, but come on, Tony, I don't know. The investors are not going to like it. And secretly he's like, fuck this guy. We got to kill him. Right. Um, so I don't know. I guess they address it. But the other ones don't. And also, doesn't Tony just like invent all this amazing technology and keep it for himself? Right. Like are, there, are there any instances in the movies where he's like, you know, using that repulsor technology to like, you know, light up children's hospitals and help out the poor? Right. Or his nanotech suit that they just like introduce in five minutes and it's like no big deal. Like that's an amazing invention. <laughs> well, also in the last movie, aren't there like legit like 50 of those suits now? He just got robot versions of them flying around doing whatever. They, yeah, well, wants. yeah, they're like the enforcers of the world, man. See, crazy. I would be more scared of that fucking robot than, mm-hmm. than like Superman. Like again, the whole fucking point was he was worried about uh, the, the Ultron, mm-hmm. right? He's got other AI. It's just weird, man. Tony Stark's a villain, and even yeah. and not really, but he's just he's too volatile. Like I've never understood why people. Uh, you know when people are like, we have to start a war to prevent a war, like that mentality of like. Oh, Russia made nuke us, so we got to nuke them first. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that stupid mentality. And now I sort of get it. Sort of get it, man. I just don't understand what his argument in Civil War was to begin with, where he's just like, we need to, like, have the UN decide where we go now because we've caused too much collateral damage. Like, Sokovia wasn't their fault. New York wasn't their fault. What's his name? Uh, General Mustache. He comes in, he's like, New York. Thunderbolt Ross. (laughs) Sokovia. Right. Uh, this other place you saved. Right. You are terrible people. And now here's a contract to sign. Well, didn't like, what it did all, that mean? Well, didn't it all start because they did fuck up? Like, isn't the opening scene of them? They're, they're, it's, it's the, it's how they write in fucking uh, Wakanda, right? They're like at a UN thing and that they actually, Scarlet Witch does fuck up and she blows up a building and she kills some people. Well, so it was going to be the dude from Winter Soldier was like, I forget what his name is in that Crossbones. movie. Crossbones. Useless villain. Uh, he's like, I'm going to fucking blow myself up in this crowd of people. She tries right. to contain it, shoot it up into a building, kills less people. But she still kills people. Yeah. But like he was going to kill more people. If, <laughs> if you're a there. superhero, you need but to like, have a fucking perfect record, man. Here's my fucking question. Like... <laughs> <laughs> do do they wait on a UN vote before they can decide to contain crossbones or they're like right. oh. like the UN isn't always in session <laughs> right like oh Ghana didn't show up we gotta wait he's like killed like 15 buildings now right oh man I've never even thought about well I understood his his idea of like we need to be regulated we need to be called upon like it's just in the same way that the army is always there but the army can't unilaterally go do shit I'm just saying, imagine being Thor, hanging out with the Hulk. You see a giant alien slug slithering down from the sky, but you're like, we can't do anything. We got to wait. Guys, watch football. We don't have congressional approval for this. They're just like staring at the phone, the big red phone that the UN uses to call them. They're like, any time now. But the UN's fucking dead because the slug ate them all. Right. And of course, America, like, well, the the good news is like, at least the Avengers have 
plausible deniability now because mm-hmm. they could be like, look, we want to, but our continued existence is dependent on these guys being chill with us because, because like, that's really like what I really wanted from civil war was like, I wanted all of them to become fugitives essentially like being hunted down by the government. I just wanted a debate that made sense. First of all, cause caps <laughs> argument makes way too much sense. He's just like, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, what are we going to do? Wait around while shit happens. And he's right. like, Oh, we gotta be, we gotta be put in check. And it's like, well, who, why, why are you the boss of this? Because one lady yelled at him and he made, and it made him feel bad. Right. <laughs> Tony and his like weirdly fluctuating guilt complex from movie to movie is really getting old. I'm going to be honest. Hope he dies in the next one, so I don't have to fucking listen to it. Do you think? Uh, do you think anyone's gonna die? Yeah. I mean, thematically and story wise, one at one or two of these fuckers have to die. I'm but... assuming that, like, uh, yeah, two or three. Like, I'm assuming Cap and Tony. But who cares? You know, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people. A lot of people care. That was a dumb question. The letters are being. I hear keyboards typing everywhere already. Like, excuse me, Max. They're real mad at you. I'm sorry. Marvel's fine. I, I get way too worked up about a couple of those movies, but they're fine. They're doing what they can do. Well, no one ever calls them out. Like, I, I guess what I really want to see in comics is the, the response of the proletariat versus the billionaire. Because as you keep saying, Tony's not doing anything, but it's not just Tony. I mean, like Wakanda has all this fucking technology. They right. got to be convinced at the end of the movie to spread this technology. Like, motherfucker, right. you want to hate everyone else. Just think about the continent of Africa. Like, yo, yeah. spread that shit. What are you doing? Like, I assume that like their political climate isn't that different from ours today the way right. the world is presented, right? So, like, things like Darfur in Sudan happened on their watch. You know, the shit mm-hmm. going on in Egypt and, like, everything going on in the fucking Middle East happened on their watch. Like, they could have done something. They could have intervened. Famine, Which is starvation, more cannibal dictators. If we yeah. have these fucking superheroes, what I want to see is, like, a real version of this shit where it has nothing to do with aliens or a supervillain. Just, mm. you know, hunting Al-Qaeda or something. That yeah. was the best part of Iron Man 1 is like the five-minute scene where he fights terrorists and it was like, fuck yeah, it was so cool. But then he's got a fake giant Jeff Bridges. In a bigger like, oh. Iron Man suit. Yeah, the like, same oh. one, just a little bit bigger. This is pretty upsetting. But that's my point. Like, you know, Frank Miller almost wrote this really racist story called Holy... T- well, he did write it. <laughs> he did write it. Let me just correct myself. <laughs> It is published. Someone published it. It's called Holy Terror. Initially, it was going to be called Holy Terror Batman. Batman was going to go fucking hunt down Osama bin Laden. People mm-hmm. realized it was xenophobic very quickly. And DC was like, you know, you can, uh, you can take this. So he just took the bat ears off of it, called him Holy Terror. Okay. Mm. And then people could accept it. <laughs> it got published. But <laughs> my larger point is just that. Like that idea without the, you know, racism is actually really interesting to me. Having super humans, superheroes actually deal diplomatic. Like that's why I read. Well, and, so and then you could, well, then you could like bring in the civil war debate and have it actually make sense. Because like every one of those situations, aside from like the crossbones one was them like fighting like a supernatural force, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, if it's just them fighting terrorists or them intervene- intervening in North Korea or something. Like, well, that's what I, the, the, the Marvel Universe brings up a larger question, which is, what is that history really? Like, right. we know the Nazis happened, right? Like, is yeah. that a recent divergent point, I guess? And that's the thing about these, like, alternate histories. You need to have a recent divergent point. Otherwise, shit gets weird, right? We learned mm-hmm. that in that video. We did. So it's like, you can't have a 2,000-year-old divergent point because history gets wonky. 
but yeah. we know that it's World War II. And does that mean that all this other did, like, what all happened in this here's, universe? Here's my question. Like, what really throws me off is the idea of the X-Men being in the same universe as everybody else, because they're also existing in a universe where, like, humanity itself is mutating and evolving, like, actively. Mm-hmm. And, like, according to X-Men, that started, like, at least back in Apocalypse Egypt times, right? So yeah. there was a divergent point 2,000 years ago. So there should be crazy fucking... Well, that, that's Fox, right? But they're about to introduce them into this universe. So but, then, but I mean, like, in, in the Marvel comics, though, that's not Fox. That's just Marvel, right? Right, yeah. Okay, you're talking about the actual Age of Apocalypse yeah. arc. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, see, that changes everything then. Fuck. So that, that's the same universe as Daredevil and Spider-Man, and, like, they're all living in the same world. So nothing isn't happens, it, though. Isn't it weird that J. Jonah Jameson isn't freaking out about mutants? He's freaking out about Spider-Man. <laughs> right. Well, also, the, it's not like they, they have had crossovers. Like, the X-Men <laughs> yeah. and Spider-Man have absolutely been in the same room together. So right. it is a little weird. But, you know, J. Jonah, he's getting, he's getting kickbacks. He knows what stories not to print. <laughs> and he's getting mutant money, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> Everyone has an agenda, Max. By the way, in the Spider-Man game, J. Jonah Jameson has like a Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Beck-esque morning talk show that Spider-Man constantly listens to, and all he does is complain about Spider-Man. <laughs> and it... I'm like, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, who would listen to this? Right. Because I mean, it's it... literally him just berating his listeners, like, "Well, you know, I don't know. Spider-Man's not that bad. He saved me from a building." He's like, "Well, that's just your opinion." Hangs up on him. It's like, Maybe who? he should have dropped you. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you have a grudge. What did he ever do to you? And he's like, right. me. He just hates spiders, man. He's like, God is a spider. <laughs> just, is that really what it stems from? It's not jealousy. He just has arachnophobia. doesn't like spiders, He man. doesn't like what he represents. Right. In this universe, world. arachnophobia is still a film, but his wife cheated on him with John Goodman. So he has never been anything with related to spiders. He fucking hates it. Oh Facts. my god, like that, that John Goodman factoid That's on canon. top of it all. That's canon. That can only be called a factoid. <laughs> John Goodman exists in this universe. That's great. Like, <laughs> Sorry, I said a whole moment. Because John Goodman is like the greatest human being I think who's ever lived. Motherfuck Rosa Parks, I said it. Like, uh, John oh, Goodman. Was Rosa Parks like at the top of the heap for you? No. <laughs> She aight. She's okay. She aight. Uh, you watched The Good Place, by the way? Yeah, I love it. So good. Yes, it was, uh, so this last episode was really yeah, good. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. It was good. What do you, why you bring it up? You got some ethical thing you want to talk about? Yeah, we were just talking about the greatest people who ever lived. And The Good Place brings up the argument that, hey, what if it's not possible to be good in today's complicated society? Right. Which is something I've been thinking about. Um Beyond, like before that show, but it's an interesting thing that brings up, right? Because if, if it really is just like a scales and balance thing, you can think you're doing altruistic actions, but they're not altruistic because the world is complicated, right? And mm-hmm. you, even the idea of like, I'm going to buy Dolores this present that she's wanted for years and it's going to be awesome. Okay, but I buy it off Amazon, which I know is a company that's not great with its workers sometimes. Um, but beyond that, where's that gift coming from? And so on and so forth. So yeah, it is one of those things where I think it's impossible to be a good person anymore unless we all unplug, unless we just turn off the internet machine wherever it is. Could we do that? Is there like an internet place? That There's an episode of South Park about this where Randy finds the internet, I think. I think it was Randy. Or maybe right. it was the kids. And they like press the button and they turn it off. 
That's all. Because this is my thing. I was talking to, and I'm sure I've made this fucking stupid point when I was drunk or something on this podcast before, but mm-hmm. it was, it was just the idea of like our greatest human achievement is something that you can't touch. You can't feel, you can't visit, yeah. but it is 100% real. All the information on it is real, but you can't touch it. Like I was thinking about that really fucked with my mind because I'm just like, we're we're all worried about like oh the robot uh apocalypse I mean, the uprising and shit like that but it's like is it not already happening like we reach, can't turn reach, this reach off. out reach out and touch your computer right now okay i don't Do want it. to okay, okay now you're touching a part of the internet buddy i don't like that it's just a fraction of the internet that's the point internet, all the internet is just a network of computers all talking to each other i understand that but that's what i'm saying as long as there's computers there were computers before that that we didn't figure out how to transmit information the computers okay. weren't the problem. The concept I of got the internet. Three letters for you: EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Fucking shoot that out there! Kill You're all the computers. You're waiting to get to Matrix times, right? Because they got those on every fucking vehicle in the Matrix. <laughs> I feel like things would go pretty well for us if the Matrix happened. You know, we're ready. That movie is like an instruction guide on what to do if the robots take over and we get digital superpowers. Digital superpowers. Mm-hmm. Instead of fighting crime, we'd be fighting the system, man. We'd be on the other side of the Spider-Man coin. We'd be taking the establishment down. So we'd be villains. We'd be like Dr. Octopus. And- <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the context of the Matrix, the hackers are the villains. They're supervillains. They're jokers. They're uh, Doc, Doc, Doc Ock. They're, uh, but they're the Green Goblin. For, but this is the problem with all villains. This is my point. Bringing me back to the Unbreakable of it all. Bringing me back, back that, to like From the villain's yeah. point of view, they're like, I need money to continue robbing more banks. <laughs> no. And the spider guy keeps stopping me. Right. No. Well, see, that's the flaw with all this. Like, Dr. Octopus, why are you robbing banks? Like, even in the second one, which we love. But my like- experiments. Isn't he's he like- got to build an unstable nuclear reactor that's going to swallow the city. But they never write that in the film. There's not a part where he meets like a Nigerian arms dealer who's just like, I get you it. You need money. And then he's like, all right. He goes to a bank and there's literally bags of cash. So like, yeah. It's my favorite thing in the world. God, no, I, I honestly better. love it. Yeah. Spider-Man 2 is just such an innocent little movie, you know? Because I was rewatching scenes from Man of Steel cut together with the scenes from Batman versus Superman where it retcons Man of Steel's horrific ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was just like, it took me right back to like how shocking that final 10 or 15 minutes is. Like just unnecessary, gross 9-11 paralleling destruction where it's just like you see so many buildings fall down and then more fall down and Superman does like nothing to stop it. And you're like, fuck. And then at the end, he's like making out with Lois Lane and the ashes of millions of dead people are falling down around them like snowflakes. And it's like, is this supposed to be romantic? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I think, I'm just no, saying I, that, I, like, I we're living in a different intent. time. Yeah, I think that was the intent. Was yeah. I saw some video that was talking about uh, art's response to 9/11, which is interesting because we think we have an, an understanding about that, but there are so many microcot, like, there's so many subsets of responses in media, right? Mm-hmm. There's films response, there's TV's response, and that breaks down into two different things. There's things like SNL that are produced in a week, or South Park that is produced in a week. They can get to it quicker scripted things need it longer so it's like it's really interesting to kind of look at the uh, like the various responses of this and even through the intervening years and whatnot because we haven't like got a real 9-11 movie you know like Greengrass's movie is probably the most inoffensive one and it's fine it's fine okay i mean like, there's that nicholas cage one 
Well, but that's my point, which is another one where it's just like, it's not great. My point is, when are we going to be able to look at that tragedy and make a real uh, masterpiece out of it? Now, I have this thing. It's not a movie that people consider a masterpiece, but I personally fucking adore it, which is I Art Huckabees. I Art Huckabees is, in my opinion, the 9-11 movie, right? Like, in the way that Don DeLillo did Falling Man and uh, Thomas Pinchon did uh, Blinding Edge and all our great writers, they responded to 9-11 in their way. Spielberg did War of the Worlds, right? Um, that was very much that initial fucking response. And it's just, it's just really interesting to me to see how people kind of approach it and stuff like that. Because there are people like Spielberg, if you're looking at it just from a fucking step back, War of the Worlds and Man of Steel, there's nothing wrong. Like, they do the same thing. You know what I mean? Visually, they're evoking this horrific image that happened. Um, and on, on, on paper, they're fine and inoffensive, but... They, they like one of them is really egregious and the other one doesn't feel that way. And it's weird because they're doing the same thing. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it was the idea of adapting Superman who up until that point, his portrayals in pop culture had always been like this fucking boy scout that was indestructible, right? Like he's the source of just good and benevolence and like do yeah. goodness or whatever. And that might be a misunderstanding of where the character is now, but that's how he always was in the movies, like with Christopher Reeves or whatever. Um, so seeing uh, a movie where like it's almost photorealistic CGI at this point, just destroying buildings, toppling a city, people dying by the millions, mm -hmm. and him just like smugly crashing down a fucking government satellite in front of a general and being like, "You can't spy on me, guy." Like I, there was no heroism at that point. Yeah, I guess he's saving the world from like a laser beam, but eh. whereas the Tom Cruise one, like it's all roughly handheld. It's like shot from the point of view of a character who has no agency. He doesn't do anything to save the day at the end of the war, or mm -hmm. at the end. Like, it's not Independence Day where it's Randy Quaid drunk off his ass flying into a laser beam. It's just a guy on ground level who's trying to protect his kids. So, like, there's an emotional core there, whereas Superman, like, he can stop all of this. He can go to the moon and get Zod to the moon away from the population, but he's just letting him fuck up every building in the world. Well, yeah, but my larger point, Max, was about... Uh, we, we've, we've accepted representations of 9-11. We have like art, like extremely loud and incredibly close. The book by Fower uh, mm -hmm. is considered like, oh, that's a 9-11 book, maybe a definitive one. Like writing has accepted portrayals of that. Film hasn't. Like we haven't really figured out how to represent that shit in a way that makes sense or that is respectful. Because if it isn't something that's directly about it, you'll have these weird, like, do you ever see that movie? I know you didn't, sorry. There's a movie called Remember Me. And it's got uh, Rob Pattinson in it and uh, Claire from Lost. And all I remember about this was that my girlfriend at the time saw it and, and she came back and she's like, that movie was weird. I'm like, why? It's like, well, it's a two hour love movie. And like, it's a romance and you see them get together and like, they finally get together. And then in the last scene, Rob Pattinson goes to go visit his dad at the office and then a slow 30-second zoom out, and he's in the World Trade Center, and then a teacher is writing September 11th, 2001 on the board, and it just ends? <laughs> like, I don't, I, like I, don't, I don't know what they wanted me to take away from the movie, but yeah. like, it was a really weird thing, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's very clumsily included. We haven't figured out a weird, organic, or respectful way to do this in film or in TV. I mean, what, why was World uh, uh, War of the Worlds not respectful? 
I don't. I'm, what I'm saying is that they had to put a they had to put a hat on it in order to 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 take the to evoke the. We're not going to have anything about the day, is what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. they they put a hat on it. They put they wrap some genre on it, right? They put some clothes on it to make it more palatable and digestible. The imagery was similar, sure. Like, but we saw sci-fi, we saw aliens, and it was a little bit. It was enough removed that we can kind of escape from it. What I'm talking about is actual depictions of the day. You know, because like the last one, there was one like last year where like Charlie Sheen for some reason and Whoopi Goldberg and like Gina Gershon are all in an elevator in the World Trade Center, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, I well, I, I think that that's the problem because can you really like point to any uh, comparable tragedy or maybe not even a comparable tragedy, but like tragedies uh, akin to 9/11 that have been presented in a I don't know if you want to say like a fair way or like a non glorified way or a non schmaltzy way, like just in a pure way, like to the point that you're trying to make, like, can you think of like an analog to that event? That's, I mean, probably not. That's the, that's the thing. I mean, I I say Pearl Harbor, Michael Bay made a masterpiece. Uh, No, obviously that's really difficult to do, but I wager that someone went out there and got close to it. I bet you someone made a war movie or something that was. Yeah. Like, well, let let me say like, as like kind of a counter to what you're saying, um, at least about war of the worlds, like, isn't that what art is? And I think what really good art is, is that it's, I don't know. I was thinking about this today. I was looking at like paintings or something online and there's like a bunch of paintings of like oil paintings that were photorealistic, like to the point where you can't tell it's a painting. It looks like a photograph. And it's like the amount of care and attention to detail that must've gone into that is extraordinary. But I would rather just like take a picture and look at like a really abstract, crazy painting, something that I couldn't see in real fucking life. I don't know. My, my main point here is that like, I would rather see a story that evokes something and does something or in an abstract way that makes me think in a different way about it or shoots it from a different angle or attacks it in a way that isn't immediately obvious than something that's just like here's what happened on this day and this is 9:01 p.m. or a.m. and this is 9:11 a.m. this is 9:12 like i'd rather have a war of the worlds than a world trade center is what i'm trying to say that makes any sense it makes sense but, but but again i think we're talking about two different things i think you're, you're talking about dealing with the emotion of it being able to deal with that through art escapism is art uh cool. but what i'm literally talking about is just like whether we'll ever be able to depict anything of that scale in a way that we don't think is weird or disrespectful you know what i mean like of the actual events that happened i think that's what i'm trying to say because like right now there's a there's a tv show on hulu that's based off that wonderful fucking book the looming tower where they're talking about like what led to 9-11 like this weird fucking dick measuring contest between the cia and the fbi that like because they're too busy fighting each other like miss blatant information you know, like that's really interesting to me. That that's like they're handling the subject with a uh, like I don't know a, a careful hand. Like I don't know what I'm trying to say so much as like that's as close. It's not even about the actual 9/11. Like we have to do a prequel story, and that's the first time we've gotten to anything that's like good and respectful and like is factual yeah. about the day. Like we're like filmmaker. Like we're still scared. We haven't figured. We haven't cracked that code on how to tell that story. I, I guess my point, I understand your point. What I'm asking you is, is that a code that needs to be cracked? Well, why wouldn't we try to, like that, 
that day gave 350 million people. When I talk about The Leftovers being a brilliant show, I talk about it on a conceptual level of the idea that it is taking something like survivor's guilt, which is usually so specific to someone, to the individual, and applied it to a mass populace, right? They talked about like PTSD rates going through the fucking roof after 9-11, whether people were in Montana, people were in fucking South Dakota, and they still felt this weird existential dread. So I, the idea that I think it should be a code that's cracked is because there is something universal in that moment. Something happened. For a minute, it was good, and now mostly it's really bad. But in that moment, something happened that we all could and can identify with, yet we don't know how to get back to it. it it's ephemeral. It's fleeting. It's slipped through our fingers already. And so I guess that's my question is like, I would love to see someone tackle that and have, have like a way to tap through that story. Not to, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, profit off of a tragedy or anything like that obviously because that's the problem with any of these backstories like you have a backdrop of a tragedy like people get really shitty about it but what i'm saying is they made a movie out of titanic man people love that movie right but how did they do that because i was thinking about titanic when you were talking um they took a tragedy as the background window dressing and sense of adventure in the last third um, and put in the foreground a fucking traditional Hollywood romance. So it has like all those kind of old classic movie Hollywood romance, Boy from the Wrong Side of the Tracks things, Falls in Love with the Rich Girl, Romeo and Juliet, all that shit. And then the boat starts sinking. But it's not like, it's not following around the captain and like all the different crew members. You're not getting to know everybody. It's told just through, through those two characters. So right. in order to do a World Trade Center equivalent to Titanic, it would probably have to be that robert pattinson shit but well this brings me back to the uh <coughs> to extremely loud and incredibly close mm. which do you know what that book's about did you ever read that book no nah, but okay. didn't uh, tom hanks do a movie and i heard people hated it i mean it got like a 60 percent on rotten tomatoes i don't know people hated it because it's a 9-11 movie and that brings me to my point i think that there are still really really strong feelings tied to it <laughs> but that premise of that movie in that book is about a kid named oscar who his father, he believes his father is the falling man. You know, like that really famous picture of the guy falling out of the Trade Center? So he's convinced that his father is the falling man and that his father, who always gave him adventures and puzzles and shit, has left a great puzzle for him to figure out. And he has to figure it out. And obviously it's a metaphor for fucking, I don't know, the senselessness of this. You know, like there's a whole scene where his mom is just like, you're never going to figure it out. Like, there is no reason to it. Like, I want to know, too. There's no fucking reason for these things that happen in the world. And it's just mm -hmm. the idea of, like, a child specifically can't comprehend those things, you know? My point is the book is beautiful. I, it's a really beautiful book. And he does things, like, techniques where on one page, like, it's been written and written over, over, and over again, where these words are all just together. And it's, like, trying to express how Oscar feels on the inside, right? Or you turn the page and there's one word on the whole page. That's something you can do in that medium. We try to make a movie out of it. Didn't fucking work. You know what I mean? And I right. literally think it's just the idea that, like, you know, it wasn't HD, but we have so much footage and we've seen it over and over again for 17 years that any type of giant building falling, we ain't really into it, man. And so that's my point. It's like incredibly loud and extremely loud and incredibly close. Try to wrap it up in a adventure film, a coming of age sort of thing. And it's still fucking failed. So you're right. Maybe we need to get James Cameron on it. You know, James Cameron's not. <laughs> that is, that is what I said.
That's what I wanted you to get to. I was like, I'm going to plant the seed of James Cameron. Oh, my God. James Cameron's 9-11. Holy shit. I would pay so much money to see that, man. Because I assume you'll find a way to bring the Navi into it. You know? I, I know we talk a lot of shit about James Cameron, and I don't like him or respect him. But uh, I'm going to be honest. Titanic's kind of lit. And that's my point. Like, you know what he, he, okay, you know the origin story of him supposedly pitching the Alien sequel? Do you know how, no. the, how this went? He went into a room with like the Warner, who does that? Warner Brothers, Universe, I don't know. Anyway. One of them. Went over there and he wrote Alien on the fucking uh, like board, right? Mm. Looked back all of them, didn't say a word, smug ass James Cameron face, turns back around, writes an S, puts the two fucking money sign lines through the S. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is not bullshit. This is how he pitched this fucking movie. And they were like, brilliant. Give it to him. So my point is this, like much, much like that, like there's nothing else you could do except just go into a board reading and put like 9-11, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh shit, they're taking a bad break. Through the 11, you put an S dollar yeah, sign, nine dollar sign. Motherfucking Cameron, okay. James Cameron's 9-11. And then you put in the apostrophe S, you put the fucking money sign. I would Greenland. I get a billion dollars. How much does he need? I'll give him anything he needs to make James Cameron's nine eleven. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you got I'll give him way anything. more enthusiasm for this project than I do. I'll give him everything. And you're like, I'll watch it. I guess. <laughs> I guess no. Like to to get serious for just one more second. Uh, I think that my main issue with seeing a nine eleven movie, and maybe this is the disconnect for a lot of people, is that unlike a lot of the people like that are young right now like we watch that happen most right. of america watch that happen either live or on the day um so like seeing a movie depict it like it's never going to bring us close to that day or closer to that day than than what we were feeling on that day i, I don't know if that makes sense like it doesn't feel like it would be a healing thing to see in a movie well dude i just heard that they're doing this fucking shit with oculus rifts that are literally like perspective shots of you being in the tower on 9-11 and that might be like as fucked up as that sounds like that might be the weird emotional way to tell that story if it's something you put on your fucking head and you're inside these fucking buildings i mean you'll never be able to like actually approximate it maybe it's more disrespectful but you see what i'm saying right like that's a fucking different way of doing it. They, some company in South Korea did it and it was rudimentary as fuck, but you're just sitting in a thing and all of a sudden like the building shakes really hard and people are screaming and like there's just that, debris and stuff. That sounds terrible. Oh I, man, I, why, who, so fucked who up. play that? that? Like you, you get an Oculus Rift so that you can walk around on the wall from Game of Thrones or like <sighs> pretend you're flying in a spaceship. You don't want to be in a fucking tragedy. I'm, but You're not going to parachute out of there and like shoot the terrorists well see that's where it gets disrespectful if it's a respectful like you go and die like you know when you go to like uh, the holocaust museum in dc maybe you don't but you go to the holocaust museum and they <laughs> maybe you, you don't <laughs> that was me yelling see at what you. you did there just continuing the whole maybe holocaust denier maybe thing deny the holocaust i have no proof of this but i'm so sure that you do if you go to the I, Smithsonian, I, I need uh, Holocaust, to respond to this at some point. <laughs> if you go to the Smithsonian, you go there, they give you like a little a chip, like a little name. And it's mm-hmm. like, you have to carry that chip around with you the whole time. And then at the end, you find out if your person died or if, or if they lived. Spoiler alert, they died. <laughs> like so I've never time? got one that lived ever. How many times have you been? 
about two or three times in my life. Yeah, oh, shit. it's a it's be, it's an amazing museum. Man. So it's like on ET the ride when you like give him your name at the beginning. You're like, why did I give him my name? And then you get right. to the end, and he's like, goodbye, Max Christian. Like, Fuck, kill it. He's like, what do you do? How do you know? <laughs> when I was a kid. I did not it. understand how ET knew that. I knew that wasn't the real ET, but he knew my right. name. And your parents were assholes. They didn't tell you. They tried to like keep the lie and the magic alive. Like, oh, he's just he knows everything, Max. No, he's a fucking witch. And we need to burn this motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just imagining a kid breaking into that ride after hours and just lighting ET on fire. Hold on. Robert's fucking calling me. God. Can you not answer it? Hello. Hey. Uh, hold on. Let me call you in like five minutes. Uh yeah, I'll, I'll call you back. Bye the fuck how you won't call me and then fucking call me back in five minutes the reason i didn't pick it up was just because uh the, the, the fucking it was already ringing on the mic so i figured we might as well where were we though i'm so sorry we had like three uh, different laugh lines we could have ended on but we just kept going so no i i said i'm um, like i'm just imagining like a kid just like breaking into the et ride after hours and just burning that mother down <laughs> he, like takes his friend denny's like come on denny we gotta burn this mother down and he's it's like, their, i don't know dude i don't know it's their passage man this is how they become men they they yeah. kill this fucking alien witch <laughs> and light a cigarette and smoke over its dead body and then like cut to like spielberg's bedroom 3 a.m he gets a phone call he goes, what? What happened? And his wife's like, what is it, sweetheart? He's like, they burned down E.T. They burned the witch. <laughs> I like that he's in on the Joe. He knows. Like, I, I, I knew he was a witch, but how did these fucking kids know? He was never a puppet. He's always just a witch. It's a real old lumpy witch. All right, so the two movies I want to see is uh, James Cameron's 9-11, and I got to rewatch E.T. apparently for all the witch symbols. How lit would it be if E.T. like came in at the last minute on 9-11 and was just like saved everybody with his rainbow? I think you would have bridged too far, man. Like that That is a parody. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, like, it's and cut to Elliot. It's, it's a sequel to E.T., and Elliot is like, you know, it's like it's like in Hook. When Robin Williams is like this aged Peter Pan and he's forgotten right. that he's even Peter Pan, like Elliot's forgotten about E.T. He doesn't have time for his kids or his family. Right. And all of a sudden he looks out his office window. Oh, he's in the World Trade Center because there's a plane coming right for him. And then all right. of a sudden, out of nowhere, you hear this echoing voice. I'll be right here. And then a fucking rainbow barrier blows up the plane in midair before it reaches the tower. Elliot so all the people still goes, die. Like, you, you, I believe in magic again. You think... <laughs> You think E.T. would find a way to save the passengers as well. And maybe even the terrorist in this, like, beautiful ut utopic E.T. Nah, world. just Elliot. Like, the aliens were there to kill everyone. They were studying our planet to find right. our weaknesses. And then they got the fuck out of there. Um, but Elliot was the one right. that warmed old E.T.'s heart. Literally. He was saving so, him for later. He's going to eat him when he's grown up. So these are, it's like co-directed. It's co-directed by Spielberg and Cameron. <laughs> And then the rest of the movie is just him and E.T. hanging out in New York being, being bro. It becomes Gremlins too, right? Yeah, it's just like, well, see, now that we got out of your childhood, you're in the fucking concrete jungle. Let's go get into some shenanigans. Yeah. E.T. and Maybe Elliot Gremlins could well. show up. Are, how many universes are we going to connect here, man? <laughs> because in my mind, 9-11 is also in the Aliens universe. Like, like we could have maybe, a Wayland Corporation in the background. You know, like they end up at Trump Tower. 
and right. all of the gremlins have broken loose there and et's like on the case you know it's like detective pikachu but he's et and he's Hold on. He, just, he just stopped 9-11 but there's also a detective <laughs> angle that was the original reason he was there he just happened to show up at the exact right time right he was he was gonna question someone about a body he found on 74th street is what you're yeah saying. he's like this sounds like gremlins he's been smoking for the past 30 years or 20 years <laughs> he's got black luck he doesn't give a fuck yeah, keeps healing himself it's like gremlins he just like touches his own heart it's like i'm, I'm 800 years old <laughs> <laughs> oh christ i would uh, again if james cameron's directing this i'm in i would give anything to see this film man i'd, I'd watch it <laughs> still just gonna watch it <laughs>